Welcome to Bedtime Fairy Fails. I'm Kim. This episode was made possible in part by the live play D&D podcast, All D20. We'll tell you a little more about them after the show. This story comes from the live play D&D podcast, Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies, or RFED for short. And this is their origin story. A story about fails, successes, and everyone dying. <gasps> oh, come on. It's right in the name. I didn't ruin anything. This is... Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. Once upon a time, a group of heroes had been hired by our holy matron of commerce bank of Brahms Landy, or OHMCB for short. It was part of their Platinum Mercenary Program, which was one of those extremely high-risk-slash-high-reward kind of programs. The party consisted of a tiefling rogue named Sanjana, a Kaloshta-slash-humanish druid named Bambi, Greg the Turtle Bard, who plays the automaton and uses farts to cast his spell, and finally, Lieutenant Banked Marceau, an Asimar warlock who had two companions. Brett and Chet the Brobarians. These heroes had been tasked with cleaning out an underground cave system to make it safe for workers. But it was in a dark forest about three hours outside of town and was crawling with monsters. But hey, 12,000 gold makes for a great motivator. So, after badgering several villagers to the point of tears, they head out to clear the cave. After entering the cave, they eventually come to a labyrinth portion where they promptly get separated from Chet and Brett. Not long after, they enter a large cavern filled with bat guano. And since all of that poop had to come from somewhere, it's no surprise that Greg the Bard was immediately attacked by a swarm of bats. He takes advantage of being a turtle and retreats into his shell for protection. Having no shell to hide in, Bambi takes a different approach. Bambi decides that the best course of action is to scream as loud as she can in order to disrupt the bat's echolocation, which I gotta say is pretty genius. So Bambi takes in a deep breath and, ah! well, she tried her best. Sanjana then decides to use burning hands on the swarm of bats still attacking Greg. She successfully hits the swarm, but she also roasts Greg in the process. Oops. Sorry, Greg. The group does finally beat the swarm of bats, somehow with no casualties. Soon after, the party comes across Brett. Or maybe Chet? Honestly, no one can tell the two apart. So when they find Brett and or Chet, he's attacking a wall. Lieutenant Banked says, Hey, bro, did that wall do something to you? Brett and or Chet stops his attack with a confused look on his face before saying, Bro, 
I gotta find my bro, bro. He then runs off into the darkness to find his bro, which is a terrible idea for a human with no dark vision. Chet! And or Brett! Wait, come back! Yells Lieutenant Banked. But it's no use. He's gone, bro. The heroes continue on their journey through the cave and eventually come across the two Brobarians, one of which is lying injured on the ground. Tunnels and openings branch off in every direction and they can hear a rumbling from deep underground. Suddenly, they're ambushed by an Umber Hulk. Now an Umber Hulk is a huge monster that looks kind of like a cross between a gorilla and a beetle. They have a bug-like head with two sets of eyes and huge, sharp mandibles. Their sharp claws allow them to dig through solid rock with ease, and their bodies are covered in thick, strong armor. These bugs, like all bugs, are terrifying. The heroes spring into action. Bambi casts entangling vines to trap the monster in one spot so that the other heroes can attack and the others take full advantage, hitting the monster with everything they can while it can't move. Unfortunately, Brett and or Chet gets too close to the monster's head and is tragically decapitated, praying mantis style. No! Chet! Or maybe Brett! Either way! No! While the party is momentarily in shock, the Umber Hulk tears free of the vines and takes off down a tunnel. The entire party chases it. Bambi attempts to cast Entangling Vines again, except this time she completely misses the Umber Hulk and instead traps Lieutenant Banked and whichever Brobarian is still alive. The Umber Hulk is still fleeing as fast as it can, but Sanjana the Rogue is in hot pursuit. The Umber Hulk changes tactics and begins tunneling straight up into the ceiling to get away from its pursuer. But that doesn't stop Sanjana. She jumps up into the tunnel and does a perfect split, planting each foot on either side of the tunnel. She then takes out her dagger and thrusts it upward with all of her might, landing the killing blow. She immediately jumps back down and tackles Bambi out of the way of the falling Umber Hulk corpse. They did it! Everyone begins celebrating. Except the vines from Bambi's spell are still growing in the tunnels, causing the rocks to crack and split apart. The group hears a loud crack as the ceiling begins to collapse. And then, rocks fall and everyone dies. The end. Don't worry guys, that's not the end. It's actually the beginning. To hear more adventures from the now undead party, you can find Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies anywhere you listen to your podcasts. This story was sent in by the Czech DM and his three dumb friends. This is a thrilling murder mystery that has it all. Murder and mystery. This is... Strong Hand. Once upon a time, 
there was a group of adventurers who were trying to solve a crime. A young woman in her 20s had been found dead, stabbed through the heart with a cross. And now, it's up to our heroes to solve the case and bring the perpetrator to justice. Let's meet our super sleuths. First, we have Bia Van Holm, the elf wizard, Alex Hetzer, the Khajiit rogue, and finally, an elf warlock named Meryl. The group started their investigation where all good detectives begin, with the ex-boyfriend. The victim's ex-boyfriend was a Khajiit named Zoltis, and he was a shady character known for being a petty criminal. But they also learned that the night before the crime, the two had been in a pretty heated argument. So it was time to pay him a visit. When the heroes arrive at the house, the first thing they do is knock on the door. They wait as they hear footsteps coming towards them. Finally, it opens a crack and they see an eye peeking out. What do you want? Hisses Zoltis. We're here to talk to you about the murder of your ex-girlfriend, Lena. Says Meryl. I don't know anything about that. Leave me alone. He says as he starts to shut the door. Alex reaches out and stops the door from closing as he says, We know you two had an argument. Now I suggest you let us in so we can have a little chat. Otherwise, this whole thing will be a lot less pleasant. Zoltis angrily opens the door and says, Fine, but make it quick. The heroes follow him inside the small house and ask him to have a seat. He reluctantly sits and says, What do you want? Where were you on the night of the murder? Asks Bia. Home. Can anyone verify that story? Nope. Clearly, this wasn't going to be an easy interrogation. So what were you and the victim fighting about the night before she was murdered? Asks Mural. Nothing that's any of your business. Zoltis gives a slight smirk. He knows that they want more, but he's had plenty of run-ins with the guards before. He's not even a little bit afraid. But he should be. Alex steps forward to give it a shot. You got a history with theft, don't you? I don't see how that's related, says Zoltis. You let us decide what's related. Now I'm going to ask you again. You're a thief, right? Have you stolen anything lately? Nope. Have you ever stolen from Lena? Nope. By this point, the heroes are getting frustrated, especially Meryl. She's now pacing the floor with impatience. Bia jumps in with, You know, if you'd actually answer our questions, we could get this over with and be out of your hair. Or you could leave and it would be over now, sneers Zoltis. About this time, Meryl loses her patience. She is done with his avoidance, and frankly, she just really doesn't like this guy. So she marches over to him, puts her face right up close to his, and says, You don't want to talk? Fine. I'll make you talk. And swings her hand back to slap him across the face. But there's something you need to know about Meryl. Her right hand is actually a demon hand. She can turn into a demon at will, and this hand is incredibly powerful. 
and that's the hand she's swinging right at his face. She brings it down with all her might and hits in just the right spot to break his neck. Zolti slumps down in the chair, dead. Meryl, why did you have to use your strong hand? Oops, replies Meryl. I uh didn't mean to do that. My bad, guys. So now we have no information, and our top suspect is dead because you bitch-slapped him to death, says Alex. Well, I didn't see you doing anything to make him talk, snapped Meryl. Bea steps between the two and says, Let's all just calm down. We can go investigate the church. I mean, she was killed with a cross, after all. It's not a big deal. Just this mostly innocent man is dead. In the end, the heroes did solve the murder. It was a priest in the church who was actually the head of a cult. The guy they murdered had nothing to do with the murder they were investigating at all. So, all's well that ends well. Or something. The end. Thanks for listening. If you like D&D podcasts, which clearly you do, be sure to check out one of our favorites, All D20. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. To submit a fail, email me at bedtimefairyfails at gmail.com or message me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Bedtime Fairy Fails and Twitter as BT Fairy Fails. This just in, breaking news from the Fairyfell front. I'm Chet Fitzwell, here with my co-host Wong Johnson. Wong? Thank you, Chad. Uh, we got breaking news coming in that uh, a local man was uh, apparently bitch-slapped to death. Uh, do you have a little bit more uh, news on the story, sir? Yeah, local sources say that a quote-unquote half-demon, half-lady, quote-unquote, uh, was seen stomping around the premises earlier that day demanding that someone answer some questions. I uh, don't think it ended well for the perpetrator because they were the one that was quote-unquote murdered. No, yes, it was a it was a pretty ugly scene, John. What was uh, supposed to be just a light slap ended up being a bitch slap from hell, and apparently his head was just splattered all over the walls. It was a uh, quite a scene, unfortunately. Um, Going to be a lot of damage. Uh, yeah, we actually have a quote from someone on site, uh, one of the bystanders. Uh, uh, I, I quote: uh, "Damn, she got bitch slapped so hard." End quote. This has been Chet Fitzwell with Wong Johnson signing off for Bedtime Fairy Fail News. Uh, it's been like 15 minutes or so, so uh, you should probably get back to work or whatever you were doing. <laughs>